0: What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, your really, really good podcast talking about everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing and alongside me for episode 144, as he has been for probably the last 70 or so episodes, is Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? Doing very
1: well. Uh, Much like the Cleveland Browns, it's a fresh start every day and today's fresh start. I'm looking forward to... uh, they're talking about well, unfortunately, not a lot of good news in Minnesota United, but <laughs>
0: a lot of uh, a lot of Minnesota soccer, and uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting. It is uh, Friday, June sixteenth, that this episode is dropping. But uh, whenever you're listening to it, happy Father's Day weekend, to all the dads out there. Um, I'm actually not to uh, not to try to garner sympathy from people, but I'm actually being overshadowed by my daughter's birthday this weekend. My daughter's birthday is on Sunday, so. I don't necessarily, uh, uh the spotlight's obviously going to, going to be on her and then we're doing her birthday party the following weekend. So I don't, I don't know when I'm going to get celebrated. <laughs> I might not. I might, my father's day just might be being a dad, which is, you know what? There, there are worse ways to spend your father's day. So, um, we are presented by sodasoccer.com. It is your home for soccer coverage in the North. Make sure you're checking us out. S O T a soccer.com. Make sure you are subscribing to this podcast. Make sure you are leaving a rating and review on your preferred platform. If you could, And make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at Soda S O C. And if you want to take that next step, directly support what we do. Every writer, every podcaster, every content creator and contributor at Soda Soccer is paid for their work. So if you would like to help us uh, you know, continue that mission and continue to sort of ramp up what we're doing, ramp up the content, ramp up the coverage, ramp up the quality, um, make sure you're uh, supporting us at patreon.com slash Soda Soccer. For as little as $3 a month, you can contribute to uh, our work here and support what we're doing. If you're in that 5 or $10 tier, though, you get some bonus content like Minnesota United training bits and audio, um, some some MNUFC match day stuff, early access to interviews, early access to podcasts like this one on most weeks. So um, again, patreon.com slash Soda Soccer. Our June goal, we need five more patrons to reach that June goal. So if you want to help us in that goal, and, and we set those goals every month to make sure we can continue to progress up and, uh, and again, just keep ramping up that coverage and that quality. So. Help us in doing that if you could, if you have the means. Patreon.com slash All All right, headline time, Dom. Let's start with Minnesota United. And, uh, you know, there there have been a lot of weeks where it's been – there were a lot of weeks early in the season after the five-game unbeaten streak where it was a lot of bad that we were talking about. Mm. We were kind of bad – we were kind of back to the all bad when it comes to Minnesota United this week. Uh, 4 nil loss at CF Montreal over the weekend to pour salt in the wound. It is former Loon Mason Toy scoring a brace against his old club, not to mention his first two goals in nearly a full calendar year, as well. Um, and he didn't celebrate the goals, so you know kudos to him on the class. But it's it's another it's another it's the second time this season, Dom, where mm-hmm. a former Minnesota United player has scored a brace on the Loons. Former Minnesota United striker, might I add, scores a brace on the Loons. Not to mention this is on the same day that Minnesota sends Luis Samaria officially to Mazatlan FC in Liga MX also on the same day Mender Garcia gets subbed off after 45 minutes because uh Adrian Heath was displeased with the performance that he put together in the first half if there was ever a 45 a day that just encapsulated the striker situation for Minnesota United over the last 5 6 years it was Saturday
1: yeah yeah, very much was. There was an interesting. Uh, I think berdine was the one that that tweeted this interesting little stat. That uh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something along the lines of like Minnesota stri- uh, has 15 goals this season, and former Minnesota Strikers um, have 11 goals this season between Correct. Ramirez, Toy, and uh, Kamara. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, obviously that's one of those stats that you can like you can either find a lot of importance in or, or none at all, but Uh, You know, it it gets to the point just that there keeps being these uh, recurring question marks, I think, about the team's striker situation. Not necessarily the attack overall, but really just that frontman role and how to approach it, how to uh, well who to put there, how to coach them. Um, It it just seems like it's always a question. and, And I think, you know, part of why that question is raised still is then you see guys leave and do well other places. Uh, Not everybody, but uh, you certainly see some. And, you know, even, you know, Mason Toys had a lot of injury problems uh, since leaving Minnesota. Um, You know, whether the massive adjustment in team has anything to do with why that's ended up being such a problem, I don't know. But, you know, he's, he's had a lot of those, that being said, when he does play and especially when he plays more than 15 minutes as a substitute, um, he looks good. You know, he's got a lot, of, a lot of skill and a lot of quality on his day. Um, that obviously could be said about Kai Kamara and Christian Ramirez as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it just, it all kind of continues this weird relationship with that position. Um, of course, those conversations were very much in the air as well because of the, the Timo Puti uh, rumors. Um, but yeah, it's a little, it's, you know, happy for Mason Toy, by the way. He was a very likable player when he was here and glad that he's, you know, getting back on his feet this season. Um, but it it is frustrating to see that question mark just continue to kind of float above this team.
0: So uh, here's how Toy got his first goal. In the seventh minute, he uh, wins a tackle at midfield. Uh, I think Dotson sort of falls over, loses his footing. A couple loons almost run into each other, it seems, and take themselves out of the play. Um, So Toy's running towards goal, finds himself 1v1 with Dane St. Clair. And he really, I don't know if this goes off of DJ Taylor's foot. I haven't watched this back close enough to see if this redirects off of Taylor's foot or if it's just a really, really nice sort of chip, half chip, half shot finish from Toy. But either way, right before DJ Taylor is able to recover and intervene, Toy gets the shot off. It's very well placed over DSC's head into the back of the net. And the hosts are on the board. Montreal adds another in the 13th. And then just after halftime, Toy secures his brace and further extends the Montreal lead, being in the right place at the right time to bury a point-blank rebound effort. That made it 3-0. Montreal found another uh, in the last 10-15 minutes for 4-0 final. Um, obviously not the result Minnesota United was looking for. Um, I asked, I started the press conference after the game asking Heath, how do you even begin to go about analyzing this match? And Heath had a pretty surprising response. We might need to start putting the audio from these press conferences in the (laughs) podcast instead of having just me read these responses. But um, he said he thought the team, and and I'm actually going to give the full quote here if I can find it real quick. But one of the quotes he had, he said he said the team, he thought the team outside of the conceded goals played, quote unquote, really, really well. And here's the full quote from Heath. Quote, we've conceded poor goals, the first two especially, but in between that, we played really, really well. I know some people who watch the game might not think that, but that's the case. I actually think we've had better chances than they have tonight. End quote. They had chances, especially in the last 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had Bongi with a shot that he shot with his right foot that went off of his left foot. Um, Then you had, I mean, you had Mender Garcia with a point blank effort right before half. Um, A number of other opportunities down the stretch. Ray Ray had uh, a hand... Created a handful of chances for himself um, after his insertion at halftime. Just wasn't meant to be on the day for Minnesota in terms of finishing. Where have we heard that one before? But um, to to hear this quote from Heath after a four nil scoreline, um, surprising to say the least.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I have. There, there's sort. My response has two parts to that. The first one is that I don't know if I would agree with that description, but. Um, you know that they, they play well. I, I don't know if you can call a team creating chances they don't finish between conceding four goals playing well. I don't know if that's mm. a way I would describe that. That being said, um, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt since he's obviously the professional coach, let's say they did play well between the four goals they conceded. I don't know if that matters. <laughs> mm. I don't know if that could matter less to be perfectly honest with you because okay. You, you, you played well between the moments where you failed to do your job of, you know, not conceding and scoring goals. So I, I, I don't know if, sure, sure, they, they had good passing at times. I, 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 don't, I don't know how relevant I would even find that information if it's true that they played mm-hmm. well. I'm yeah. not sure it is true. But even if it is true, I, I don't think that matters that much. <laughs> in a 4-0 yeah. loss if you play well quote unquote um so i guess that's my response to that uh yeah you know it was a frustrating game like you said the last last chunk of the game there, there definitely were chances um some some of which you know you felt like the team were a little unlucky not to score and some where it was uh maybe down to to poor execution a little bit of both uh definitely felt like i mean Bondi definitely put a shift in and Certainly did the the physical exertion to, to score a goal, which is obviously didn't get the finishing in. But, um, yeah, I mean, it it didn't the game did not go the way I expected it to at all. Uh, I, I I expected a much closer game that I thought Minnesota United would kind of peak out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, this obviously was not that. Uh, and you just you know, lack of concentration, I guess, lack lack of attention in in key moments just allowed Montreal to really just do what they wanted. Um, throughout the game, particularly the first hour, um, and, and and Minnesota pay the price for that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't know. Maybe they did score. Maybe they did play well between those four goals. I, I don't know if that.
0: But you conceded four goals.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, I, 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 you know? sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, sure. I, but like, does it matter? <laughs> I don't know if yeah. it matters. So, uh, you know,
0: I guess that's that's my response to that. To and. To to be fair, Will Trapp actually in training early this week had a similar had a similar response to the effort. I asked him, you know, I asked him specifically about Heat's comments. I was like, hey, you know, your coach said you thought you guys played really well outside of the goals. What do you think of the performance? And he goes, well, even if we played well, we obviously didn't play well enough. Right. That was that was I'm paraphrasing, but that was his response to that question. You can listen to the audio at Patreon.com/soda soccer for yourself. But so it, it, at least as the captain, he is sort of echoing your sentiment there, Dom. That. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how well you play if you lose 4-0. Yeah. Um, there's obviously uh you you need to improve um in certain aspects there. Um I thought DJ Taylor had a really rough night. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first time we've seen him have a really rough night when he's moved over from right to left. Um I I like DJ a lot. I think he's a really good right back. I just don't know if he's if he's flexible enough to be that sort of utility piece that you can really move over to the left and be confident and then he can give you the shift defensively provided to keep – to 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 at some level even just make up enough of what you're going to lose with your natural left back there, whether that's Kemar Lawrence, whether that's Bakai Debassi when he comes back, whether that's whoever they bring in in the transfer window. Adrian, he said they're looking to bring in a new left back in July, whether that's through free agency or uh, through a transfer, um, to give some support for Lawrence. Doesn't sound like it's gonna be somebody who starts over Lawrence or Debassi, but somebody who who can provide a little bit of support there. Um, there are rumors that maybe it'll be a sort of a, a wing back type signing um that with Debassi's reintegration into the team, that a three back or five back, however you want to say it might actually be how this team might move forward um with their with their tactics at that point. But um yeah, I, that was the, 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 two big things to me. uh DJ had a rough night once again on the left. And then I thought just the, the finishing once again, it, it's, it, it can't be, it can't be a coincidence at this point. It can't just be uh shucks, you know, we created the chances, but they just weren't there. It, it's there's, there's something, there's something to that. Now there's something, Missing. There's, I mean, you look at the expected goals versus expected goals on target stats here. I have those in my piece at sodasoccer.com. Um, so that uh, Montreal had a narrow XG advantage 1.51 to 1.17, according to Foot those numbers are going to vary depending on which source you look at. Um, but the expected goals on target, which actually shows the quality of shot placement when putting a shot on target. Montreal 2.7, Minnesota. they're just not good enough at shooting like really it seems like that's what it comes down to they're just not great at picking the right spots when getting those chances and putting the ball on net Uh, just to me when I look at that stat and I look at just what I have seen over the first part of the season that is that is what's been holding the team back. That's what's holding them back from getting wins instead of draws at home. Um, obviously 4-0, you weren't you weren't really going to stop Montreal no matter how much you finished on on Saturday. It's not like you were gonna win that 5-4. Um, but like you look at and so that's another reason why I don't think we need to take much stock in this Montreal results either. Um, in terms of the the defensive aspect of it, in terms of oh, this this defensive shot. They gave up four goals we need to upgrade everywhere along the back six. I don't necessarily think that's the case. But when you look at overall, when we kind of look, take like a little mid-season look, a little retrospective of the first half of the season, there's been one glaring issue. It has been finishing the chances that they have worked so hard to create. And when I see this XG on target difference in a game where the XG was actually relatively close, that shows me... Between that and what I've actually seen with my two eyes, they need guys who can, who can finish, who can, and I don't know if that's a coaching thing, a training thing. They're not working hard enough on that. They're not, they're not, I don't, I don't know because we're not privy. Even when we go to training, we're not privy to that kind of access in terms of being able to watch what they're prioritizing and what they aren't in terms of drills, in terms of when they're scrimmaging, whatever. I'm kind of rambling here, but it's, it's just, that's, that's staggering to me how you can be almost a goal and a half XG on target below your total XG for the game. When you're, when your opponent, their XG on target is almost a goal and a half better than their actual expected goals. That's just staggering. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, that data is interesting because i i hadn't seen that but even just on the eye test you know it does feel like this season you know when a player misses when you're watching a game in person on tv whatever it may be once you've you know watched soccer for a little while you kind of have a sense of the game when a player misses misses a chance you you usually are able to have a sense of whether that is a he should have finished that or a that's tough he you know unlucky tough tough placement tough situation for him to figure his way out of and it feels like every game there's there's quite a few um god he's gotta be finishing that mm-hmm. uh, with Minnesota United and where it's not about the defender did a great job it's not about the goalkeeper you know made it tough it's not about the angles t- you know it's like well you, you you probably should be putting that in the back of the net um Absolutely. And, and yeah so you know the question of how you solve that <laughs> I'm not entirely sure um yeah I don't know what you know the the, the obvious thing to say is like well they got a train shooting more they might already be doing that I have yeah. you know it's it, you know um but it's clearly a problem it, it's confusing also because some of the people who are having that problem are people that I know can score yeah uh, goals um, and so it's hard to know what to make of that uh, but yeah I mean, you know, this goes all the way back to the, the striker conversation at the top of the show. You know, this has kind of been a problem on and off for this team for, it feels like, a very, very long time with a lot of different people in terms of getting productivity out of forwards, particularly strikers. Um, and, and it's frustrating to see, you know, you have this group, a lot of young players that, you know, have a lot of talents, a lot of potential, a lot of not just potential, but, you know, can do things right now. Uh, and it just feels like it's not happening really really at all with, with the occasional game where it does. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah it, it, it's frustrating and it's it's a little confusing. Uh, my hope would be that it's the kind of thing that once the team can start to solve it, it'll solve itself quickly uh, in terms of momentum in terms of confidence. but uh, that, that, that we'll
0: have to wait and see for that one. Are you seeing anything else besides the finishing that concerns you? with this team as we kind of just look back at the first half i mean we're at the midway point dom and for the first time all season minnesota is outside the playoff line and Mm -hmm. we're looking at we'll get to this in a minute but we're looking at uh an upcoming month basically where they're going to be without at least two key pieces in dane st clair and joseph rosales because of not only the because dsc has the nation's league this weekend rosales has friendlies with honduras but then you go right into gold cup right And even if Honduras doesn't – Canada is very much expected to make it out of the group stage and into the knockouts. Even if Rosales and Honduras don't make it out of the group stage, that's still, I believe, July 8th, Hmm. I want to say, that he's going to be out for. Um, July 2nd, through July 2nd, Rosales will be out too. So you're looking at a run here where, I mean, especially without your – top goalkeeper and one of uh, an, an option that has been your go-to fill-in winger at this point, and who also has shown quality in the defensive midfield, potentially out nearly a month for both of those guys. You were hope you would hope that you w- could gather, gather ye points while ye may is kind of, is kind of the the phrase that comes to mind for me. And obviously that four and a loss, they weren't able to do that. You're outside of the playoff line and you're potentially out with two impact pieces for the better part of the next month. Um, which could be anywhere from two to five games from Minnesota. That doesn't spell optimism for me. Uh, but we've kind of touched on what we both agree is the main issue. Do you see anything else as, as glaring for Minnesota right now? I mean, I guess what I, something that comes to mind that
1: is actually still related to the attack, just just because I think you know, as, as you mentioned earlier in the show, I don't necessarily think that there's any specific things I need to point to in the defense. I think the defense sometimes has bad games. I don't necessarily think there's anything that needs to be dramatically changed about it though, um, other than people getting healthy. Um, But with the attack, you know, I I guess just uh, one additional thing to say on that is that it does feel like when I watch this team attack, particularly without Reynoso but to some degree, still, when he's played, um, it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of like flowing connection between mm-hmm. these individual players, which I think might be part of the problem. Uh, it never quite feels like there's a lot of like fluid teamwork building mm-hmm. into goals or, or, or chances. It usually feels more like a guy does a cool thing. <laughs> Yep. And gets himself into a spot. Um, and, and I think that's a little concerning. I mean, I know I, I say that knowing that, like, nobody's watching this league expecting, like, the most high-level fluid attacking football of mm. all time. But, like, you still want to see a certain uh, synergy. Uh, mm. And I don't necessarily feel like I've seen that. Even in the games where we've done well attacking, I wouldn't say that it was ever particularly because of, like, super fluid offensive thinking it was usually it's, you know, it's a lot of set pieces. It's a lot of corner kicks, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I I guess I would just be curious, you know, where is there room to grow there? How much would it solve that by having Reynoso playful games? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, is it a problem that it requires him to be there to see more of that? You know, I I think that's, that's a question mark that I have. It's just like, you know, is, is it reasonable for this team to expect more, visible synergy between its attackers than it currently has right now within this
0: season. Yeah. I I talked about DJ um, having a rough night and I just think all season long, the fullbacks have really been ineffective getting involved in the attack, which has been a pretty focal point of Adrian Heath's Mm -hmm. system over the, over the entire time he's been with Minnesota is getting those fullbacks in um, attacking down the, you know, being dangerous down the flank, sending crosses in Um, they haven't been doing that. And even when they have the crosses either are, you know, to be blunt terrible or there's nobody in the box to receive them sure and that's when you're missing that level of your attack it really makes you more one-dimensional and it really makes you gives you gives the opponent something that they can they can anticipate and expect it to, that you're going to be doing so i think that might also be uh something that's been holding minnesota back as well and just not allowing them to play the game that's going to bring them the most success um again maybe you bring in a new left back maybe you bring in Debassi and you mess around with the three back five back system and now you have wing backs that are just bombing down the flakes and maybe helping solve that issue that could be something that that we see minnesota turn to in july not saying it is but you know given the personnel Additions and um, you know reintegrations that we're expecting. It, it definitely seems something seems like something that's within the realm of possibility and could help this team moving forward. But it, it, in any case, they got to find a way to finish chances. They got to find a way to put the ball in the back of the net. And maybe Timu Puki is the answer there at striker. Um, we hinted at the loons on international duty. Let's uh, jump into some of the details here. So we got Hongwani with South Africa Afcon qualifier versus Morocco Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time, and then not sure if he's going to be called in for this, but South Africa is playing in the Kosafa Cup. Um, the group stage matches for that tournament are July 5th through the 11th. The knockout rounds run through July 16th. Again, th- I have not been I, from the research I've done, I have not found if this is like a super big deal where Bongi is going to get reintegrated and and recalled if Minnesota is going to allow that or if it's more of a, a localized type tournament that maybe some of the more international internationally based players on that South African roster are going to be called in for not sure, but something to keep an eye on that. It may be bongy may be gone for more than just this week and this weekend with South Africa. Um, you got Michael Boxall with New Zealand friendly in Stockholm versus Sweden Friday at noon and another friendly Monday in Austria versus Qatar at 11 AM. Um, th- that's key there, the location of those matches because if you recall in March they were actually playing in New Zealand and Australia, I believe um, for the friendlies he was in and that's a long ass flight back to Minnesota Um, being that he's playing in Europe that takes that takes 15 hours off of that flight back (laughs) uh, uh, to Minnesota uh, from where uh, Boxy will be playing with New Zealand so that is big in terms of just him being ready to go for their next match following that um, again, knocking on wood pending. He doesn't pick up any injuries or anything like that. Um, Zarek Valentin, very, very excited to see him called in with Puerto Rico. We kind of went through this last week. Um, they had a nil-nil draw with Carousel on Tuesday. Um, was not able to find any personnel information on this match in terms of rosters or anything. So not sure if Zarek was able to play in that one. But they also have the CFU uncapped playoff prelims um, kicking off against Suriname Saturday at 6 p.m. There's just one match there. It's not a run of matches. So he should be uh, back well in time for the RSL match on the 24th. Um, And then the two main ones, obviously, you have Dane St. Clair with Canada Nations League semifinal Thursday. So you know the results of that Um, pending an upset uh, Canada, I think probably likely to win that one and make the final, but you know, if I'm right or wrong there, if you're listening on Friday, Um, the final for the uh, Nations League, Um, Canada set to play the winner of the U S and Mexico and the other semifinal. Again, you know, the results of that, if you're listening to this on Friday, Uh, That'll be Sunday, uh, the final for that, for the Nations League. Um, And then you have the Gold Cup, uh, as I mentioned, for both uh, DSC and Rosales. That kicks off June 25th. And uh, group stage runs through July 2nd. And the knockouts run all the way through the final on July 16th. So that's the time frame for DSC and Rosales. In terms of this weekend for the Honduran there's a friendly Thursday versus Venezuela already happened. If you're listening to this on Friday and then another friendly Sunday versus Barbados before the gold cup next week. So could be a few games could be a lot of games for DSC and Rosales that they're missing. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but I mean, we got, we have five names on here. Of course, the one name we don't see is Kevin Ariaga. And I asked Heath last week in training, if he was surprised by that. And he's, he said, I mean, he basically confirmed that the team had no part in Ariaga not being uh, on the Honduras roster for this run of matches. Um, mm. And some of the research I've been doing, there's a lot of question marks in the Honduran media and Honduras fans wondering why Ariaga was not picked. Obviously, he hasn't been in the best form with Minnesota, but he is somebody who's been a mainstay with Honduras on yeah. their national team rosters over the last few years. I'm surprising to see him not selected there.
1: Yeah, I guess I'd be curious if that's yeah if that's a response to the lack of form for him uh, or maybe there's something we don't know uh you know physically or or socially um but uh you know I, I guess on the flip side of that it's great to see rosales you know continuing to really grow his placement in this team i mean just a couple of years ago a year or two ago it was you know Ariada was the one playing for the team rosales was maybe on the bench or maybe not even making the match day squad so uh, it's cool to see Rosales has at least um, really improved his standing with the, the national team. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting week, maybe more of, of games, particularly the the CONCACAF games with Canada and Honduras. I think that's going to be really exciting to see how those two teams do. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm always glad to see guys getting these opportunities. Uh, hopefully nobody gets hurt, to your point. That's kind mm-hmm. of always the concern at the club level. but. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's really it's going to be a really interesting sort of round of games to kind of see everybody going around the world uh, playing.
0: Uh, should note, Ariaga was not uh, seen training with the team when I was there on Tuesday this week. Um, Kamar Lawrence not not training with the small group as well. Of course, Lawrence dealing with a hamstring issue, uh, but again, not, no reported injury issues, at least as of right now with Ariaga. So i um, not sure why he was not with the group, but... Um, One note that Emmitt UFC 2's Emmanuel Ewe was with that small uh, Loon group in training on Tuesday. He was the only Emmitt UFC 2 player, aside from Devin Padelford, um, who was with them. Um, Should note also that Iwe was obviously called up against Montreal. He saw a good amount of playing time at the end of the match. Um, But there are no more short-term loan agreement options available from Minnesota to call up Ewe for the remainder of the season. They have used all four of those. Evidently, you're allotted four. Uh, Minnesota has used all four of those. For some reason, the U.S. Open Cup counts, even though it's not an MLS-sanctioned mm. tournament. So that's weird. But um, So that means in order for Eway to play any more with the first team, at least this season, they would have to sign him to a first-team contract in order to be able to do that. So we will see. Not sure how likely or unlikely that is moving forward. Um, I'm not sure... The team would sign him to a first team deal just because they find themselves in a personnel bind, uh, late in the season. That's a pretty big commitment to be making for like a short term, uh, yeah. solution. So we will see. But I mean, like, he is somebody uh, aside from Padelford, who is obviously a homegrown and um, is on a first team deal through that. You know, they they obviously see a lot of value and a lot of potential in e way to have used all four of their short term loan agreements on him halfway through the season there, there's not there's yeah. not nothing to that right there's there's definitely something that they see in anyway as being able to compete at this level at least at some level to be using those on him
1: oh absolutely and i mean i, I would completely agree with that assessment i think that emmanuel ua has the ability to to reach a really high level whether or not he's you know quite there yet i mean you know he's he's still on that on that adventure but um it's it's been fun to see him be involved with the first team as much as he has been. I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. expect that this season, um, and, and so that's been great. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, yeah, I, it might be it might be rash to to start throwing those around at people just because of uh, uh, just because you're you're down some people for you know a couple of weeks, but. Uh, it would be interesting if at the very least this signifies that in the near future, we will see some sort of long-term option for him uh in the mm-hmm. first team. But uh, but yeah, I mean, at, at the very least, just great great to see that he's sticking around the first team, getting that experience. Certainly deserves those, those sh- shots that he's been getting. So
0: that's great for him. I mean, anytime I see him, I, I either say this in my mind or I say this to him out loud. I'm like, I was watching you play at St. Louis Park High School two years ago like yeah. with joy of the people. And now you're here <laughs> yeah. playing, uh, you know, trading and, and, and playing uh, at the MLS level. That's, that's, that's again, just a really cool thing. And one of those, one of those moments where if you're somebody who follows the underbelly, the lower league, the amateur soccer scene here in Minnesota, um, a lot of satisfaction comes from seeing a guy like Iwe um, hit that, hit that point in his career. So again, we'll have to see what more is in store for him moving forward. Uh, we have some UFC 2 to get to. A lot of lower leagues still on the show, so stick around. But first, we're going to shout out our friends at Galasso Kits. G-O-L-A-C-O-Kits.com. Use code loons there, and you will get 15% off your order. You might think, Jeremy, 15% of what? Um, unique vintage jerseys. That's what. Go to com right now. I tell you guys to do this all the time, but I'm actually going to go to com right now. And I'm going to search for Everton, because Everton's my Everton's my team. There are six things that pop up when you search Everton at colossokits.com. You can get an ever an Everton toy, like a little like toy doll thing, or you can get four different jerseys. They have the 2021-22 away jersey, a 2010-2011 trading top, a 2019-2020 home jersey, or a 2021-22 home jersey. And the highest price I am seeing for any of these is $59.99. Unique vintage jerseys. Search any team you want. Your favorite Premier League team, La Liga, Syria, France, uh, Bundesliga, uh, MLS, doesn't matter. Uh, They have you covered at ColossoKids.com. golaco Kits.com. Then when you use code Loons at checkout, you will get 15% off your order. I just searched Minnesota United, and I see... A 2019-2020 Minnesota United home jersey. That is the uh, the drift kit. And then uh, I also see a 2019 travel polo, which looks really cool. So again, that just proves any team you search for, any team you want, um, they have some stuff there for you at ColossalKits.com. A lot of national team stuff there too. Uh, Dom bought himself a Venezuelan national team hat uh, recently. You search U.S. men's, you search U.S. USA U.S. national team, you'll find a ton of stuff there as well. So just go there, browse, have some fun doing it. GalassoKits.com, G-O-L-A-C-O-Kits.com. And again, code Loons, L-O-O-N-S, gets you 50% off your entire order every time you shop at Golasso Kits. Big thanks to Galasso Kits for supporting our work here on the 10,000 Pictures Podcast and at SodaSoccer.com. All UFC MNUFC2, been a rough couple weeks for the Dubloons, not going to lie. Uh, and that continued Sunday, 4-1 to one loss to Dynamo 2 uh, was Rory O'Driscoll's second goal of the season, being the lone bright spot for the twos there. But with the loss, Minnesota now falls to 10th in the Western Conference. It's the second match in a row in which they have given up four goals. Um, and next up, they take on Whitecaps 2 at the NSC on Sunday, Father's Day, at 6 p.m. Um, we've 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 seen a lot of positives from this team so far that we have discussed at length. Um, obviously Diogo Pacheco has kind of had an emerging season. Um, He's fallen off a little bit over the last two weeks or so. Um, Even last week with the four to two loss to Timbers two, we got to talk a little bit about Cameron Lacey and him getting his first two goals. Um, But it just doesn't seem to be clicking right now on the, on just from a, from a personnel and from a, from a lineup standpoint from an UFC two, especially defensively Um, seeing quite a few breakdowns there. Maybe that has to do with a guy like Padelford not being, Um, not being there maybe, you know, makes that kind of impact on the MNUFC two back line. But in, in any case, it's just been, been a bit of a rough go of it for the doubloons over the last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You can imagine that, you know, losing some of these guys
1: to the first team probably does have an effect. Uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily like fully explain the, the issue, but it probably does have an effect. Uh, yeah. I mean, couple, couple rough losses recently, a lot of goals being conceded. Um, I, I i guess i'm curious to see you know there's a fair bit of season left if we can see a dramatic sort of improvement from the team just you know in, in the sense that sometimes with this age group it can be hard to, to dramatically change um where a team's at uh but uh yeah i mean i don't know it, it, it's it's unfortunate that they're losing these games i i still think that the main goal is largely being achieved in terms of Terms of development, which is the good part, um, as you see with Paddleford and um, Eway, and with the first team. But yeah, it's a it's a tough stretch. It's a tough stretch. Uh, I know there's also going to be some guys pretty soon that are not going to be involved. Uh, academy guys who are not going to be involved because they're going to college soon. <laughs> yep. Um, so you know the, that transition happening in the in the. So, but. We'll we'll have to see how, how the twos manage that. How Cameron Knowles ma- manages that. Um, and at the very least, I am still really happy to see a lot, a lot of particularly local guys like O'Driscoll uh, getting the opportunity to play at this level. I think there's still a lot of a lot of positives in that.
0: All right. Um, and, and I I agree with you. There is a there is a sense that this. MNUFC2 team does have enough positives in terms of, of the outlook that that they could have on the first team in the future that some of these players can have kind of maybe outweighs some of the short-term performance things that we're seeing, uh, issues on the pitch that we're seeing with MNUFC2 right now. But um, in any case, we'll, uh, we'll see if they can turn it around as they move ahead in the season. Um, down to the lower league in terms of uh, amateur soccer in the state, uh, USLW League. Aurora remains top of the Heartland Division. It's a three to one win over Chicago City. Um, a big win for Aurora because uh, this is the um, this is Chicago City is a second place team in the Heartland Division, or they were um, heading into this match. So it was a, it was a one versus two matchup, and it, it was it was close, and it was uh, another goal conceded for Aurora. Their second goal conceded on the season, but um, they do dominate mostly um, whistle to whistle in that in that three to one win. And we're kind of seeing, I'm not saying it's 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 good to see, but it's nice to see how Aurora handles some of these more competitive matchups, how they handle a little bit of adversity being thrown their way in matches, when they get a little bit of a push from the team from another team, how do they respond? When they're just not able to seamlessly cut through a team's defense and kind of get the shots on goal that they want every single time down how do they respond in, the, in those moments? Because these are the type of matches that this team is going to be playing in come playoff time against some of these better teams around the, the nation in the W league. And so it's important to see how this team responds in those moments in the regular season. Chicago city is a really good team. I watched some of this match and um, they were able to do things to Aurora that I hadn't seen done to Aurora up up until this point of the season in terms of both uh, defensively and in their attack too. So, uh, but Aurora responded very well. They held their ground. They stayed mentally focused in the game, and uh, I thought all in all, um, uh, a result and a performance that Nicole Lukic and and coach should be happy with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think you, you mentioned that you know Chicago City was uh, in second place for this game. I think this is one of those kind of big results, kind of like last year. There were some big results against Green Bay Glory, uh, where you know Aurora does have some some real tension some real tests in the regular season that they have to uh, get over uh, mm. and and so yeah i mean they they absolutely did you know, chicago city big, big win um and yeah it, it is good to see uh, we i think we talked last week just about that like the idea of complacency because uh, um, there there was someone the the play against uh, I think it was the dutch lions game and uh, you know it, it's good to see the team meeting these kinds of challenges and handling them well. That's the kind of result that tells you complacency isn't going to be so much of a problem, especially against the the, the better teams, like you said. So, yeah, encouraging signs for them. I mean, in what's been a, a near perfect season, um, it's going to be interesting to see you know who can can get. Something off of them still with the what remains of the regular season doesn't seem like it's going to be too many people. Um, but uh, but an exciting charge towards
0: the playoffs nonetheless. And uh, an interesting move from Nicole Lukic uh, in this one. She started defender Kenzie Langdok in the midfield. Um, first time that she's played that role this season. And in the 20th minute, Langdok scores the opening goal of the match after uh, Abby Ostrom serves the ball into the 18-yard box off a free kick, uh, pass bounced around a little bit before Langdok was able to finish it off. Um, Langdok, with three goals, uh, Langdok leads Aurora in all-time goals scored against Chicago City. So she has scored the most goals against that team specifically. Uh, but just, it was, it was a fast start. Uh, Mariah Wynn and Maya Hansen combine uh, and Nguyen, uh puts the ball in the back of the net. 2-0 and then before half, Um it's a cat wrap forcing Chicago city's goalkeeper to cut down the angle, um, freeing up Hannah Adler for the third goal. And now she's tied with Maya Hansen for first on the team with six goals on the season is, uh, is Adler. So, um, just, uh, uh, a really fast start for this Aurora team in the first half scoring all three goals, actually all four goals in this match came in the first 45 minutes. Um, second half was real stout defensive effort by both teams but it ends up with that that three to one Aurora win. Moving on onto USL League Two now. It's Rochester FC dominating Minneapolis City at Edor Nelson. Uh 5-1 win for the for the team down south, uh, to make it 10 points in six games. Um, you know, Don, we've been talking about Minneapolis City's struggles a little bit. We've been talking about how you know impressive at times Rochester has been. Um, an, another lopsided result going uh going against Minneapolis city at home um, and, and another result where they can't keep the other team off the board uh, and, and keep the other team from putting up a crooked number, uh, especially, especially at home. Uh, this has to be frustrating to say the least for Carl Craig and the, and the, and the organization there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a, a tough run and, and, it, you know, it, it's been interesting to see, uh, Craig and Minneapolis City, you know, in his first year. How you compare those to some of the other first years that are in the uh, the division uh, this this season? Uh, obviously, Rochester uh, sort of showing up uh, with with their sort of improved start uh, twenty twenty three and in, in the USL League two. So. Um. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's one of those things. Um, where it it feels like this Minneapolis City team isn't that far from getting it right. Uh, I yep. think the, the the margins margin of error in a lot of their results ha- has been a lot closer than some of the big losses score line would suggest. Um, But, you know, that's kind of how this game can be. It can be very punishing. Um, I'm interested to see if some of the sort of younger guys, you know, I, I noticed that there's some of the younger guys from last year that aren't really playing as much this year. Zach Zussi comes to mind as an example. I'm curious if they can maybe come into this group and have an impact. He has like 18 minutes this season. Um, whereas last season he played like seven games so uh it'll be interesting to see how, how that changes with the team but uh yeah you know really impressive to start from rochester they got like 10 points from six games now that's 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 a wonderful start for them and a lot of good results uh on the road as well so uh, yeah great for
0: rochester all right, Dom, uh, Dom just dropped out for a second. But uh, as he was mentioning, it's been a rough go of it in the early going for Minneapolis City in their second year in USL League 2. Um, but Rochester has been pretty good. Uh, St. Croix has uh, fallen off a little bit. They lose both of their Canadian games against um, FC Manitoba Toba, excuse me, and Thunder Bay. So they now sit fifth place in the conference um, of seven teams as of recording. Moving on, though, to the NPSL. One team that is not struggling. One team that has not fallen off at all, at least in league play, is Duluth FC. My goodness. Duluth remain in control of the conference, undefeated in the conference, atop the NPSL national rankings with a 5-0 win over Aris. Um, Fusion and Med City are tied for second. Dakota have a game in hand. That seeding is going to be big. Uh, moving forward but there is an 11 point gap between Duluth FC now and second place in the NPSL North now it's Fusion Med City and Joy the People uh, excuse me Joy Athletic uh, kind of fighting for playoff seating at this point because again this season in the NPSL North there is a 14 playoff in the conference at the end of the regular season so all the regular season championship gets you really I mean, it, it gets you a lot, but um, gets you first place, and you and you host the the conference tournament basically, um, and you host both the semifinal and the final if you're able to make it that far. So, that being said, there is a big um, there's a big gap, and I think Duluth, you're just looking to keep yourself. You know, with that 11 point gap, you're almost assured that you're going to finish top of the table at the end of the season. But one of the things you need to be focusing on, and one of the team, one of the things that has held a lot of in PSL North teams back in recent years, as far as um really making an impact in the national tournament, is their performance in those playoffs. And so, yes, the regular season is important. It sets the tone. Regular season championship is something to be very, very proud of. But you need to put yourself in the best position moving forward to uh achieve the goals, achieve the success you want to achieve in the playoffs. And I think that needs to be Duluth's biggest focus moving forward, and that needs to be all, all four of these teams' biggest focus. It's likely going to be Duluth, Dakota, Med City, and Joy in the playoffs. So I don't necessarily think where they finish needs to necessarily be the priority. It needs to be, Are you are, do you have your best foot forward? Are you on your best day If uh, if you are looking ahead? to the, uh, you know, looking at the playoffs. You need to be performing at your best. You need to be as healthy as you can be. You need to be as fit. You need to be as ready to go as you can be come playoff time. But man, this has been really impressive so far from Duluth. Um, They're scoring a lot of goals. They're not giving up very many. And uh, there is a reason they're the top of the national rankings in the NPSL. Um, Elsewhere, Sioux Falls gets their first point of the season. It's a 3-3 draw with the Twin Stars. So that's kind of what's happening mid-bottom table there. In the NPSL North. Just got a text from Dominic. He's going to restart his computer. Hopefully, he's able to join us for the end of the show uh, when he gets in here. Uh, but moving on to the WPSL, Minnesota Thunder moving into first place in the conference. Uh, they are tied on points with FC Manitoba for first, but they have played two extra games. Um, and then Salvo and Sioux Falls City are tied for first place uh, about halfway, excuse me, tied for third place. I believe halfway through the season. So there's a typo here in the notes. I believe it's Salvo and Sioux Falls are tied for third about halfway through the season there. And then WPSL again, that WPSL season, it, it goes away just as fast as it gets here. Uh, it really is that 100 meter dash sprint uh, through the summer schedule there. But uh, Minnesota Thunder and FC Manitou seem to be the the two teams that people are are striving to beat. Uh, UPSL Midwest West, Minneapolis city beats superior to one and St. Croix beat twin city for three to maintain the top four of Minneapolis city and first St. Croix in second Florida and third and superior F city, excuse me, superior city FC and fourth. And it is, it's a four horse race between all, all those teams. All those teams have a legitimate shot of coming away with that, that regular season championship and, and hosting that, that conference tournament at the end of the year. So um, we'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But um it, it, all four of those teams have a legitimate claim at it. All four of those teams, I can very much see any one of them being uh, being at the top of things when all is said and done to the UPSL Midwest West. All right, that is it for lower league talk. Surprisingly enough, even though it is an international break, there are still seven games on the MLS slate this season or excuse me, this season, this weekend. So now it's time to make our picks presented by Better Edge. B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com slash loons gets you $20 in your account when you sign up. What is Better Edge? Better Edge is revolutionizing the social sports betting scene. They are Minneapolis based and they're a company that says, hey, the days of, hey, I'll bet you 20 bucks that that Minnesota, you know, that that Canada is gonna beat Panama in the uh semifinals of the of the Gold Cup or excuse me of the Nations League. The 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 cash, the the mowing back and forth for, for bets or little wagers, those days are over. Better Edge is a platform that allows you to bet with or against your friends on games in the NBA. Well, the NBA finals are over, it's not the NBA anymore, but major league baseball, NFL season's coming up, college football's coming up. Um you have major league soccer as well. Excuse me, obviously, that you can bet on there. So, there are plenty of ways that you can bet with or against your friends on a platform that allows you to do that. Better Edge is not a sports book. They don't profit off of your loss. You're not betting against Better Edge when you're making a bet on their platform. You're betting with or against other people on the platform. So, it really is social betting, a platform to make bets with or against your friends or just other users of Better Edge. That's what makes Better Edge legal in Minnesota and 46 other states. Because you might be thinking, gambling's not legal in Minnesota. No, it is not. This is not the definition of gambling. This is kind of social social sports betting, if you will. So um, that is legal in Minnesota and 46 other states. So why not get started today? A free $20 will show up in your account like magic when you go to betteredge.com slash loons. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-edge.com slash loons. I am not sure... We are going to get dominant back here uh, for picks. Um, I will let him in if he rejoins, but he, it may be me the rest of the way on the podcast here, which is fine. So looking at the slate of MLS games this weekend, pulling this up, we have Columbus Crew and NYCFC, Real Salt Lake and DC United, uh, Orlando City and New England Revolution, LAFC and SKC, St. Louis and Nashville. And then we end up uh, Saturday night with Portland Timbers and San Jose Earthquakes. Um, Looking at this slate, I'm going to start off with my lock. And my lock would be NYCFC at home. They're playing. Hello, Dom. NYCFC playing in the baseball stadium. Just uh, other teams seem to have a big issue playing on that smaller pitch. So NYCFC is my lock for this weekend in MLS play. And looking at the upset options here, um, LAFC is a minor uh, underdog on the road at Sporting Kansas City. I know SKC has actually been on a tear over the last few months. They are actually above the playoff line in the Western Conference right now, but LAFC—hard to pick against them, uh, especially with with CCL and, and other things kind of out of the way. Um, so I'm going to go better. I'm going to go LAFC um, over SKC as my upset. Dom, welcome back to the show. <laughs> I've teleported uh, back to reality. So, real quick, we'll rewind a little bit here. I went okay. through the lower league slate while you were gone. Um, talked about Duluth really being in control of the NPSL North, um, and kind of one of the one of the things I, I mentioned. And I want to curious how you feel about this. I think these four teams that we see uh, kind of above that playoff line, if, if you will, in the NPSL North, Duluth, Dakota. Uh, Med City and Joy. Yeah, I think for them it's all about. Well, obviously the teams near the bottom of that uh, making the playoffs first. But for teams like Duluth, Dakota, maybe even Med City, who are almost assured a playoff spot at this point, I feel like you just have to get yourself ready for the playoffs at this point. You got to mm. make sure you are 100 percent healthy, fit, on your at your best when you're heading into the play. I don't think the seating necessarily matters where you finish. I just think you need to be. Obviously, you don't want to play Duluth. But, <laughs> excuse me, I think you need to make sure that just from your vantage point in your house, in your, in your club, that your team is playing at their best when it comes to playoff time and is at their best when it comes to playoff time. And that's specifically for Duluth, too, because that's the one thing that has held a lot of these NPSL North teams back when they have made the regional playoffs or even at points to the national playoffs. I mean, how many years in a row have we seen at one point an NPSL North team at the top of the national rankings? in the in the npsl when's the last time that an npsl north team even won the midwest regional right that that to me tells you you need to be ready for the playoffs you need to be prioritizing the playoffs especially for a team like Duluth. they're 11 points above second place you need to start looking ahead and and thinking okay once we get to that conference tournament once we get to playoff time how can we be at our very best maybe if we need to need to sacrifice something right now get more guys integrated get more guys into the game get guys playing more minutes getting more Mm. confidence you know what what can we do now to put ourselves in the best position come july
1: yeah no i think that's a good point i think um yeah even for the teams i mean if you're like joy um athletic you may still feel more like you need to make sure you have that playoff spot to begin with just because the Mm margins are tighter there but if you're the fusion and certainly if you're the loose uh yeah i think i think a little bit of Of it does have to do with prepping for the long run i mean i i think back to uh duluth's game against minnesota united u19s um sean morgan actually started a lot of guys that haven't been starting games in that game and i think that to some degree little things like that are about longevity Mm -hmm. you want you know getting guys minutes resting guys um to, to avoid any sort of long-term problems. I, I I do think that that's going to become pretty important. I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing some more rotation for Duluth, say, you know, in these last couple of games that they've got, um, perhaps particularly the ones against the, the, the lower ranked teams. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's going to be a, a, a big part of the conversation because, as you said, uh, whether it's Duluth or Minneapolis City or Med City in these last couple of years, uh, teams from the North, when they make the playoffs, tend to to not do super well um, mm-hmm. sent after 2018, uh, when Duluth won the region. Uh, since then, there's been, uh, I think Minneapolis City appeared in, in the final, the region final, either 2019 or 2021. But yep. um, that's been about as far as it's gone since then. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's an interesting point of conversation. Yeah, you know, these teams get ranked really nicely um in the in the regular season individually and as teams and then they get the playoffs and you know last year for example both med city and duluth got knocked out right away in some pretty big losses so yeah, they
0: had two cracks at it last year yeah. and either of them they didn't make the region final right either of them. no
1: no no they both they both lost in the in the uh Semifinals. finals yeah. um so yeah no it, it, it's it's a good question i i think that, that player preparation sort of longevity thing is gonna be a huge topic of conversation. Uh, for Duluth, for sure. And they're in a unique position because of the points gap, but also for the Fusion Med City teams that should feel pretty comfortable, I, I think, with the, making the playoffs. Uh, they're gonna have to make sure that they're ready then to you know, fight with, say, Duluth for the, the conference title and have a real crack at that. And if they win that, then you know, be able to compete with whoever they play in the uh, regional competition. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if if this year, if any of the teams can get that better, or whoever wins it, the one team that makes it, can get that done better than the
0: last couple of years. And then the UPSL here, Dom. I mean, it's, it's it really is that four-horse race, right? I mean, any yeah. four of these teams would have a legitimate shot and acclaim to finish at the top of the table at the end of the year. Minneapolis City uh, mentioned the 2-1 result over Superior, really well-played match there. Uh, Saint Croix edging Twin City four three. Where side note, Twin City has actually been very competitive. They haven't gotten yeah. necessarily the results I think they would want, but they've been they have not really been blown out. Maybe in more than one or two matches uh, yeah. this season in their first year. So that's yeah, been, been impressive. Surprising.
1: They've been yeah. very surprising, very competitive, um, especially in the sort of second half of the season. They found goals they didn't quite have at the start. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, they're not necessarily competing for a playoff spot, but uh, they're 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 I wanna say four or five spots from the bottom. They they've mm-hmm. got some points. Um I think they should be pretty happy with their season, particularly compared to last year. Um yeah, uh, St. Croix and City still top, but you know, certainly uh having to fight their way to stay there, you know, both winning one goal games or one goal difference games, uh this last week. Uh Minneapolis City did a good job of of getting themselves out of a, a pretty difficult spot in that game against Superior City. I was at that game. Um Superior City, you know, led about an hour in, 1-0. Uh, and and uh, Minneapolis City scored through penalties, two penalties. But, you know, they did a good job of managing the the stress and attention in that situation, getting their way out of it. Uh, St. Croix, um, anytime you win a game 4-3, I think there's probably a lot of positives and negatives to take out of that. But, yeah. um, you know, they're holding on, certainly holding on to that playoff spot. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting when these teams, when it cracks down and and these teams have to just play each other straight up to to make it. Uh, It's going to be very interesting to see how that all goes. You know, it's been a long time now since Valora played Minneapolis City. If those two guys, or those two teams rather, play each other um, in this playoff structure to come, I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup. I think both these teams have changed a lot since they played each other week one. So, uh, and yeah, and same with Superior City and St. Croix. So, yeah, I'm really looking looking forward to the playoffs, assuming it is these four teams. I think that fourth spot's kind of the only one still in jeopardy. Um, Maybe St. Paul Blackhawks might sneak in there. Mm-hmm. but uh, what, whatever the case, uh, the playoffs for the UPSL out here are going to be really
0: fun this year. Man, that, yeah, that four-team conference playoff is going to be fireworks. That's going to be, yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, that's to come in the UPSL. Uh, back to our picks, Dom. I made my lock and I upset my upset for the week. Uh, as far as the MLS slate goes, let me bring up our friends at Better Edge once again, uh, so they can get the proper shout out here. Uh, Dom, seven games on the slate this week in MLS, even though it's an international break. What are we, uh, what are we looking at here?
1: Uh, you know, I'm very curious to see, uh, this Portland San Jose game actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two teams that are having sort of up and down seasons. Uh, San Jose is on a little better run recently than Portland, but they're both kind of sometimes good, sometimes bad. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, Portland a little closer to the playoff line than San Jose. San Jose's got like a six point gap there, but. Uh, those two teams, the game's in San Jose. Uh, I, I'm just curious to see, can Gio Savarese, he's got a couple of good results recently. Can he kind of build on that, go on the road to essentially what I'll say is sort of like a, a playoff rivalry kind of situation in the sense two teams kind of came for the same thing um, and, and get a big result. I think if Portland get a win there, that's, that's a huge result in them sort of trying to cement themselves more in that playoff conversation after a pretty yep. rough start of the season. So I think that's a game to watch. I think Portland are, are a team to watch in that one.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um and then uh your um your lock or was that yeah, that was your upset. What's a, what's your lock of the Yeah, word? I guess
1: that'll be my upset. Um my lock Ooh. Um maybe I I I, I think DC United are going to be RSL. Mhm. Uh, pretty comfortably one reason i think that is because rsl are going to be missing uh jefferson savarino for international duty mm-hmm. and frankly anytime the team's been any good it's usually been because of him or one or two yep. other guys where i think are all is gone yeah uh so dc i think they're going to just have a little a couple more of their their strong points with them at home rsl have been very iffy particularly again when they're down a couple of key pieces so I, I i just think that's probably going to be a pretty comfortable one for dc
0: all right. Whether you agree with us or you want to pick against us, head over to b e t t o r edge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R-E-G.com slash loons. Once again, you will get twenty dollars in your account when you sign up with that link. Dom, we have come to the end of the show. Um, you were you were off the show for a few minutes. So I'll <laughs> I'll let you make up for that. Any any parting words or parting sure. thoughts? Yes, I have returned from the the digital void to, to give you <laughs> these
1: words. Um okay uh yes here's something I was thinking about the other day that I, I think is worth sharing. It uh, doesn't really have anything to do with soccer, but uh, so June 12th, which was Sunday, I believe. Um, Monday. No, Monday, Monday. That's right. Um, is uh, or was uh loving day. It's mm. the the anniversary of uh loving verse Virginia, uh, which essentially was a, a case that, determined that it was uh unconstitutional for a law to be created that would block a marriage for uh, racial purposes basically interracial marriage and um it's a you know important day in the country's history it's also an important day uh to me because it helps allow me to exist <laughs> mm-hmm. um as as a multiracial person uh and it's also happens to be my parents marriage anniversary and a very strange <laughs> oh very cool <laughs> they, they did not plan that but that that happens to be their marriage anniversary. So. Um, it, I think it's an important day in terms of the country's history for sure. Uh, but it's also a very important day, uh, for, for me and my family. And, and I think for, uh, you know, people think of that day, they obviously think of people who are, who are in love, who happen to be of different races and their ability to be together. But it's also an important day for people who are multiracial, the children of those people, yep. uh, because it helps, helps, uh, our lives be possible. So, um, yeah, just, just a, sort of a, a random, uh, history, <laughs> history, uh, note, uh, on that and and you know maybe people who didn't know about that case i believe it passed in this i want to say in the early 60s um maybe maybe go read up on that quick i'm sure there's lots of lots of sources on that but uh yeah a shout out to loving day and a shout out to my parents marriage anniversary i guess that's my that's my
0: final words well i will definitely echo that shout out um once again, happy Father's Day to all the dads on Sunday on um, Juneteenth is on Monday. a uh, very important uh day to reflect. Um for that, obviously, the 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 recognizing of the day in which the, the slaves were notified that they uh were free. Um so that's uh, again just a huge day. I'm so glad that, that that holiday is getting the recognition um it deserves uh moving forward. One of the most important uh days to reflect on in our country's history. So um yeah, just uh, uh really. Thankful for everybody's support of the show. Really thankful for everybody's support of what we're doing at SodaSoccer.com. I hope everybody has a great weekend. If uh, you don't work on Monday, have a great long weekend. And uh, we will catch you right back here for another edition of 10,000 Pitches next Friday. There is no Loon's game between now and the next next show. So we won't necessarily have anything more to break down on the Loon's front. But a lot of lower leagues still going on. A lot of storylines and obviously minnesota will be back to pick it up next saturday against rsl so we'll have a little bit to preview there but um whatever you're doing this weekend whatever you are doing next week hope you enjoy yourself get out enjoy the nice weather um and we will catch you next week for another episode of 10k he's domino i am jeremy rushing bye everybody